Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Bite Side Podcast. My name's Seamus Byrne. I'm the editor of that website that's also, funnily enough, called Biteside.com. <laughs> and we talk about tech and games and digital culture. And I've made this intro way longer than usual. Nick Healy, how are you? I'm good. I, I just learned we changed the name of the podcast. It's now the Bite Side Podcast. I didn't know that. What, what was it? What did it used to be called? Just bite side. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> and that's it. I just decided to over describe everything in that introduction for some reason. Look, each the week words podcast. come out of my mouth, and then I think about it later. I would prefer it if it was called bite side colon the podcast. Um, on the, what is it? I think it is. Yeah, it's just listed as bite side. I think it's listed as bite side colon tech games. Tech plus games plus digital culture because it helps with searching in uh, podcast apps. If that's someone's great. just going, I want to, I want to find a games show. What games shows are out there? Like, so, you know, Star Trek you know, colon, a bit the of motion podcast picture. Podcast SEO going on. <laughs> <laughs> Bite side colon, the podcast. It's all good. Uh, we should dive into a couple of things left over from last week. Um, we talked about the M1 chip and how, uh, some of the numbers that we were seeing around it sounded pretty ambitious. Turns out, it's actually getting a really massive thumbs up, isn't it? Yeah. And look, it's funny. I saw a few, you know, a few arguments kind of kept going on, on sort of industry email lists and things. And I like the thing that always struck me was I felt pretty confident that, yeah, it won't necessarily meet exactly the numbers that they said, but that it would get close on the basis that following the development of their chips in the phones and in their iPads, that there was a very clear, you know, progression of kind of year over year, incredibly, you know, vast improvements. And that they were essentially pursuing this path because they knew that they were probably missing out on, you know, a certain level of performance capability. And so, you know, all those arguments that were about whether or not it was going to be accurate, it was like, well, it's going to, the ballpark is probably going to be right. And it's just great to see that side of the argument can now move along and we can get down to the reality of just how well are they performing and particularly all the contexts in which mm. people need to use it. We can actually start to see how people have been testing that instead of just, you know, talking in vague terms. But it is, it's great to see that, that the numbers are really strong and that it is that kind of true silent experience on the MacBook Air that, um, because there's no fan in it, it is like completely silent. It is getting the longer battery life and it is getting the better performance, including performing better, even if it's pretending it's an Intel chip. So, um, lots of promising signs out of the gate now that people are starting to get their hands on them. Look, it, it, it's amazing. Um, I've been dipping into a couple of the reviews and some of the coverage I've been seeing. I, I have no iOS products, no Apple products. Um, I don't think it would make sense for me to change, but. If I was in the market for a laptop, this might be this might be what tempted me over away from my kind of Windows environment, uh, even if that was going to be less convenient. I, it's weird to be in this situation. I mean, yeah, here's a question for you because, like, what are the things that you still run on a on a laptop that aren't universal? Honestly, nothing. It's genuinely nothing at all. Um, it's it's probably that I'm ingrained in it now. I, look, in, in fairness, I've got to admit, if I was going to buy a laptop, I'd probably buy a gaming laptop these days um, just for that because yeah. that's the one thing I'm missing at home is no PC gaming. I'd probably make a push into a, a gaming laptop model. But if I was after something that could be slid into a backpack really easily, that kind of thing, if I was constantly wired into my laptop, 
I'd be thinking about this model genuinely. Yeah, and look, that's it. I think it's a, it's a really interesting time for this to happen because so much of what we do now, it's really kind of through the browser. It's, mm. yeah, that like that's kind of where we live now. And so in that sense, it's kind of as much as, you know, if you were swapping Android and iOS, that really is kind of in that too hard space almost these days. You know, you, you use so much stuff that is explicitly just right and the way you want to use it and they exist on those platforms almost exclusively. And whereas, yeah, in our kind of laptop space, so much of our life is just through a web browser now that you could decide, oh, if this one has that much better battery life and it kind of performs better, then there's few reasons. But you're right, gaming is the big one and that's where still, you know, as a... Uh, yeah, we've got two gaming laptops in the house these days because kids and games and things, but <laughs> like, it's all about gaming if we're bothering to have a laptop that isn't just me having a MacBook. You mentioned iOS and Android. Um, we'll talk about, well, potentially one big change coming when it comes to photo storage in just a couple of minutes' time. I, I actually had um, a bit of a customer service uh, story I wanted to relate, and most of my stories have been very, very bad. This is just really quick. I just want to give I was a about shout to out. ask. I'm like, is this a bad one? <laughs> no, this is actually amazing. It was really, really easy, and I, I kind of wanted to flag that this is how customer service should be um, as a bit of a joke because I'm not very Christmas inclined. I'm not bar humbug, but it's just never been my jam. You know that. Um, my coworker Mel is very, very Christmassy. So I'd actually found on Redbubble a um a gym singlet that was uh done like a bad Christmas jumper, the patterning on it. So I thought, <laughs> well, that'll be funny. I'll buy that and I'll wear that one day and you know, we'll all have a hilarious laugh. The joys of working in an office, comedy's not what it used to be. Um uh, but what arrived uh was actually a small women's t shirt with that pattern on it, uh complete with the little half sleeves that you get on a women's t shirt that was never going to fit on me ever. I took a photo of it. I sent it back. They're like, keep it. We're sending you what you actually ordered. There's no returns. Don't be ridiculous. It's on its way. That was it. Just that easy. Oh, not even being funny. That was it. They replied to me within an hour or two of me just going, um, this isn't exactly what I ordered. And they're like, yeah, cool. We'll get it to you. And I mean, how were you preparing yourself? <laughs> like, oh no. I honestly thought it was going to be a disaster. I just thought like, well, you know, cause I went, first thing I did, of course, was like, did I actually accidentally order a women's tea? And I was like, no, no, it definitely says tank top. Um, and I made sure that tank top didn't have some weird translation error anywhere. Um, yep. and then, yeah, it was just, I honestly thought this is going to be tough. It's not going to be worth it. We're only talking about 20 bucks. Just give up on it. This has been great. So huge shout out to that team. Um, could not have been smoother. That yeah, really good stuff. And now, in terms of cool new things, Nick, have you managed to get an Xbox Series X? No, I'm waiting till next year. I've decided it's what I want. I have made a big think about this. It is what I want, and and the PS5, but Xbox first, I think. Um, and I'm waiting till next year. So you wouldn't like one right now? Yes, I would. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, yes. Well, yeah, because you, you can't enter our competition because yeah. you, you're on this show. Um, so I was kind of just really trying to tease you. But if you are listening to this show and you're not involved with Byteside in any way, you can enter our competition for Xbox Series X. Um, it's kind of fun, you know, to actually be able to give something this cool away. And we didn't expect that it would be quite so rare as hen's teeth <laughs> when I got it. Um 
But yeah, we're doing a special giveaway. It means you kind of just need to sign up for the newsletter. Go to the Biteside website. You can find the post. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but you know, for us, it's a way to try to encourage people to, you know, get the newsletter, follow us on social media. Um, you get a bunch of kind of tickets essentially for, uh, the different ways in which you follow us. And then we'll do the draw in like basically what, uh, December 1st is when it's being drawn. Monday, November 31st is the closing date. So get yourself sorted out and get your entries in before then because it is pretty cool to give this away. Pretty cool indeed to do it before the 25th as well. Well, and that's it. I, you know, look, we probably could have gotten some bonus mileage by running it a bit longer, but <laughs> I wanted to make sure that whoever won was going to have this before Christmas. I thought that was a key thing. And so we'll just kind of push the hell out of it for two weeks. Um, and then, yes, it's going to be really cool to be able to ship this off to somebody and make their Christmas. And hopefully for us, you know, get a bunch of people extra onto the newsletter uh, and on the, all the socials and all that stuff. We're working hard. We've got like a great team of people now working on the website. So yeah, it felt like a good time to try to show it off and get people to yeah, buy people's love. Come and love us. It's free. All you have to do is follow us in a few places. Uh, it sounds great. 31st, you said, was the cutoff date drawn on the 1st. Did I get that right? Yeah, and I got that wrong. 30th, because it's November. So November 30th. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how many days is month? 30. And okay. look, just checking, you did say that I was completely eligible. I was allowed to enter. That was what you said earlier? I said um, ineligible. I'm uh, sorry about that. In- uh, eligible oh oh yeah okay all right well we'll move on look from there. if you're already entered it's all right i can disqualify you it's easy <laughs> no it's absolutely fine um <laughs> you were talking about free things and how cool free things are one of the biggest free things that many of us have been enjoying is coming to an end uh the era of unlimited photo storage well, a big step away from it coming june next year yeah. And look, yeah, I felt like this is really important. It came up late last week. So it almost feels like old news at this point for us when we're catching up once a week. Um, but this is really important because what it's really been like five or so years, I think maybe, I mean, maybe even longer. I don't know. It was definitely attached to one of the pixel phones when they first basically said, if you own our phone, you can have completely unlimited storage. They made it easy. Of course, it was directly integrated with your Google account. So it was so simple. Um, and now Google has decided that, you know, enough's enough. They're sick of storing, no doubt, petabytes of data for free for everybody. And so now they're saying, it's okay. We're not going to count the ones you've already stored in here for free. But after June, whichever date it was in June, June 2021, one. um, Everything else that you upload is now going to be uh, charged based on sort of a, you know, the storage limit, which is essentially what the free storage is, 15 gigs, mm. and that's attached to both you know, your Gmail and any other kind of Google Drive stuff that you store. Um, and after that, yeah, you're going to have to pay if you want more space in your account. I Look, I, I get that for many people having to pay is going to be a real pain point. Um, especially when you're used to this as a free product, I would have to say that the fact they're not counting anything that's been uploaded before that date is actually pretty decent. And I will say, as a Pixel owner, um, I don't get that. I can still, uh, not original size, but I'll still have unlimited high-quality storage. 
courtesy right. of being a pixel owner. So they are trying to wrap that in. I think we've seen a lot of this from Google, trying to wrap themselves in as a bit of a service company as well and make sure people are all signed up for Google One and all those bits and pieces they're doing. Do you think that free storage, and I, I, I was interested in your article, do you think free storage devalued what should have been already making people money? Um, yeah, look, yeah, the thing that hits me was that idea of that there were a bunch of other competing services out there kind of trying to create, you know, useful and interesting photo services that, you know, wasn't just because, of course, you upload things to Instagram or to Facebook or whatever. It is so hard to track those things or search those things or get them back in any way. Like, they're not really indexed and useful to you outside of just having shared them in that kind of moment. Whereas, you know, there are obviously, you know, Flickr is kind of the classic example where they just couldn't work it out. You know, what, Yahoo bought it and then it just floundered and got left on the sideline. Um, I'm sure it's still out there. You could go and check that out again. Last time I checked it, it had a terabyte of free storage. I don't know if it still does. Um, but then you had like the smug mugs of the world that really targeted photo professionals and being able to kind of sell high quality prints and, there were like a bunch of different things like this and it really kind of, to me, it felt like what was removed from the industry was essentially any capacity to try to, you know, scale up a useful and interesting service in the name of saying, hey, pay us a few bucks a month, you can store your photos here and you could do these things with them. Instead, you know, Google in that way that it's been able to dominate so many fields, it essentially, by making it free and by making it so closely tied to everything you already used, it was like, well, this is all I need for my photos, really. Um, and in that sense, it's like, well, there's years worth of other potential services that have been stifled by that. So for me, it feels like, you know, at the time when it launched, you sort of think, well, it's obvious and it's kind of cool and it's, attached to the power that Google has to be able to offer something like this. But you sort of feel like, well, a few years down the track, you know, if back then we'd been told, oh, and by the way, in five years, they're going to start charging uh, for photo storage. Um, and that's going to have kind of created this vacuum for alternatives. And so they could now pretty much charge whatever they like. If they, Like they could turn around and say, we're not going to give you the the free huh. you know rollover uh, of what's already in there and they'd get away with it because uh, most people would be like I don't know what else to do so I guess I just need to pay them now because our photos are so valuable to us personally I, I'm kind of hearing a bit of a you know nice photo collection it'd be a shame if anything <laughs> was to happen to it attitude here yeah and I mean one of the things that hits me is it's again, as you say, I think it is very, very, very good that everything that's been put in there so far gets to stay there without being charged for. Um, I mean, the, the kind of the, the thing that comes back to it as well, though, of course, is, you know, are you treating it as a true backup or mm. are you treating it as, you know, a live storage location that you go to to get all your stuff? I think, you know, in the long run, yeah, what if someone then decides I now want to actually go and use some other photo service and then you kind of go, oh, I need to now try to download, you know, one and a half terabytes of photos that I've had at maximum resolution backed up in, you know, in Google and I need to try to transfer them somewhere else. Like there is a lot of 
digital weight there almost, you know, when it comes to how do you move that easily uh, if you now decided you did you did want to go and use something else. Like, that is hard. Um, even, you know, whether that's download it locally and then try to re-upload it um, or, you know, is there even a way to sort of say, you know, like maybe that's a new thing, right? Maybe some other company says you log into your Google via us and then we'll actually export it all into our service. Um, that might be one of those things that someone else comes up with to try to actually compete and win a bit of that um, a bit of that shift. Look, it is quite a clever if anyone does do that. We're, we're talking about photos, but of course Google have said that docs, sheets, slides, all that kind of stuff is going to start counting towards your storage caps, although I can't imagine that's going to eat a lot of that data uh, allowance that you've got, stor- storage allowance. Yeah. Do is this time now for us to change the way we think about photos? Now, b- when backup wasn't invisible, when it wasn't constant, when it was something you had to choose, you would back up the photos that had significance or the particularly great ones. You know, that's what you'd use for that. We're talking about everything being backed up now. You know, the photo of a funny sign that you tweeted once and then forgot or took a photo of to never tweet and never did, and your screenshots. And I would argue that 90% of everything in our storage could be deleted today and we wouldn't know. We wouldn't go looking for it. We wouldn't think about it. We wouldn't even be aware that it was gone. Is this now time for us to change the way we think about backup? See, part of me actually feels like we shouldn't, that we should actually keep just kind of like the, the big one is when you get like 20 copies of exactly the same photo, like <laughs> because you shot a burst mode shot or something where it's like there really is only a need for one of those things. But I feel like the weird sign in my brain i feel like that's the thing actually where in you know 30 years you know sitting there in a retirement home kind of chilling out looking at old stuff that those weird little photos that are hard to place are the things that will almost trigger better memories than going there's all the photos that we posed for carefully <laughs> because we decided we should take a photo at that lunch that we were all at together versus the kind of the more random and you know, weird little moments. I think, you know, I think it would be a shame if we kind of started stopping, um, like trying to in the moment or closer to the moment, think too hard about whether or not that's a keeper or not, you know. So I kind of like the idea of trying to embrace kind of keeping the weird things along the way because actually, yeah, down the track they might be more valuable. But I do think in the long run just paying is also a pretty – positive thing because in in the long run we should generally you know try to be the customer and try to be the ones who you like again great that let's have the free services where it's kind of the the minimal elements you know yep the low quality backups and things because it's you know if everything kind of if your phone blew up at least you'd have the low quality ones i think that's and low quality in inverted commas because low quality is still pretty damn good by you know modern standards um but starting to pay for things when we can afford to and and getting more features because we're paying for it. Um, I you know, like that idea in the long run. Um, it's really quite interesting to me that we talk a lot about quality and uh, high quality, uh, but for the most part, we are just sharing these device, uh, these photos on devices. Um, yeah. you, you, you don't need, you know, it's great. My phone can take a 4K photo, but I'm not going to put that on Facebook. And when I do, it's not going to be 4K. <laughs> Yeah. 
And look, I, I do remember that moment when we transitioned from our casual cameras being able to, like only really taking like VGA videos, you know, 640 by 480, and then suddenly it was able to jump up and start taking HD videos. And I do remember that moment when I kind of felt like, oh, I could actually show this to somebody on a TV and it looks good. Like it looks really good. Um, since that sort of moment of like, you know, even 720p type videos, um, like the improvements for just generally being able to shoot it and share it, um, it doesn't feel as remarkable as that moment when at least we sort of got that sense where you could show it to someone on a TV and it wouldn't look like it was total ass, you know. So I think <laughs> that's kind of, you know, there's definitely that element there where, yeah, we're sharing it kind of digitally for the most part, and we are past a threshold where, you know, if I wanted to print out like a, you know, a five by seven or a six by eight, like, you know, a bigger than a just totally traditional photo, it's like, it'd still look pretty good. Um, and beyond that, it's like, well, yeah, um, yeah, maximum raw resolution to be able to print it on a billboard. Um, we probably don't need. <laughs> that all the time. <laughs> I like the idea of showing it on a TV. Yeah. Here's someone's offensive number plate I saw while I was stuck in traffic. <laughs> I snapped a quick photo. No, 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 no. Hold still, hold still. I'm putting it up on the 55 inch. Uh, yeah. I really want you to see this. Oh, everyone sit down. Everyone sit down. This is fine. Let's just check if that number plate was dirty or not. Oh, it's filthy, filthy. All right. We should move on a little bit, but um, hang on. What was that date again? It was the 1st of June, 2021. That's when Google Photos no longer free, no longer unlimited. Yep. Have a think about it between now and then, you know. you got some time. But mostly I think most people are going to only worry about it the last second. <laughs> Speaking of the last second, um, all today people have been talking on Twitter about fleets um, and in that typical Twitter way where if you miss the initial bit of information, no one's catching you up. I actually did not know what on earth a fleet was and why we were chatting about it. Twitter releasing a brand new service element product. I don't even know what to call that anymore. Feature ephemeral photos, text, whatever, tweet, and it disappears after 24 hours. Um, of course, the first thing people are thinking of is it looks exactly like Snapchat. Uh, the other one is, um, is it just Instagram stories all over again? I think in many ways it's both. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. It, it, it's another classic Twitter's releasing if feature and i'm never sure who it's for who wanted it and yeah. why they've actually decided to go with it as opposed to i don't know deplatforming nazis which is what people genuinely want them to do yeah i mean the best feature they've released in the last two months uh, really is is putting the, uh the fact know, check the fact check fact checks on tweets <laughs> and and how necessary was that so i mean this almost feels like the opposite of that, that you can now just say whatever you want and 24 hours later it doesn't matter. Yeah. And look, I'm with you as well. I didn't realise it was coming. I've seen, you know, I saw a message saying uh, fleets are rolling out worldwide um, and then I, I've yet to, you know, I've tried to kind of press my tweet button to see if there's a fleet option or anything and I can't see anything yet. Huh. Um you know, I, I might be doing it wrong still. I, I, I didn't even think to look. To I didn't even think to look. That's really hilarious. I'm like, oh, yeah, fleets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've got no idea. No, it doesn't look like I have it either. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I, look, I did see somebody complaining about the experience with it too, that it, they haven't explained these things yet, but 
someone said that all the reactions to a fleet get sent to you in your DMs. Oh, what? And so suddenly this place that is the relatively serene part for private conversations on Twitter is now getting like, you know, you're getting D- this person basically said, I got DMs with a, like, to say that somebody had left a hot symbol on a fleet that I <laughs> sent. It's like, I don't need DMs to tell me that somebody left a hot emoji. This would be excusable if we were still talking about this being in beta testing, but this is the idea that it's been rolled out out of beta. This is meant to be when it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, I just, what, and I'm just spitballing here, what do you genuinely see of the use of something like this? Um, Because, yeah, here's the other, like, well, it depends on how it, I guess, it appears in the Twitter app, right? I know, like, if I was trying to do promotional stuff with Biteside, you know, one thing that we're going to do soon is start doing some stream elements where we talk about the news of the day a little bit. Um, we'll test it out soon. And already, if I start the stream to include Twitter, that, you know, you'll see in the Twitter app, if somebody you follow is streaming in Twitter, then it's like the stream is a little box at the top when you first look. At least that's the last time I noticed that when someone was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm told that fleets kind of have a similar Instagram stories quality in that it's, you know, they appear in, you, or I guess you can look at them in their own little kind of slot where they're appearing separate to the normal feed. So there's, but, but this is the thing, isn't it? It's like, it feels more promotional because if it's like, oh, this jumps out and looks a little bit different, then... I feel like for the most part, like Twitter is already meant to be that sort of, you know, it's not something you think about going back to look for a tweet you read the other day um, without a really specific reason. And so this kind of story style idea, just it just feels like it's going to confuse the way we even use Twitter. And I know even saying these words, I just feel like an old man who's poo-pooing a new thing that might turn out to be really quite useful and better than other places have done it. (laughs) Look, it might be. And and, and you're right. I will. uh, I should. I won't. But I should reserve judgment. Um, (laughs) But I'm kind of with you. When you said um, uh, going back to tweets, it did remind me that we do use Twitter differently. Um, When they changed uh, to a heart as opposed to a favourite, a lot of people got very angry about that because they treated that as almost a bookmarking. They would like, yeah. oh, you popped a link in there or something. I'm favouriting that. I'll go back and check that later. It wasn't sort of me saying, yes, heart, great work, great work. It was me flagging it for later perusal. That's yeah. not how we use Twitter anymore. But that was a really big change that they made. And there was a lot of anger about it then. Um, so I still, I'm still kind of with you. I don't get who this is for. I don't get who has been asking for this. We do know that for a while there, Twitter was having a huge problem getting a younger audience. It it had always skewed a little bit older compared to uh, some of the newer social media platforms. I don't know what that's like these days, but is that maybe it? Maybe they're worried that they're missing a whole sector of um of a potential audience. So yeah, because I feel like when I use Facebook, right, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to Facebook to post like the footy score and say like literally just as like a one line oh like score update even like or i guess more to the point with like 20 minutes to go in the game you're not going to kind of just make a whole facebook post 
to mention where the game is up to because you kind of know that <laughs> Facebook is going to show that post to people many days down the track. I even noticed, like, I got shown something on Facebook the other day that was um, that was six days old oh as kind of God. one of the first things it showed me. And I couldn't help but just go, this is half the reason I don't really come here anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, apart from all the horrible things that they do... Um, that it's it's not the way I want to use a news feed. And, but that is what I do on Twitter already. Is like, I, you know, and so that sort of idea of saying, oh, the throwaway thing on Instagram or something where you sort of want to not even think about it by the next day and not even worry if it even exists anymore. That's kind of the way you already talk on Twitter, you know? Um, we don't, you don't proclaim something hoping that there'll be a conversation about it over the next five days in your Twitter feed. You say something for that immediate reaction or engagement. And, you know, even if that is that thing of quickly asking somebody a question, you know, that open question, again, you just wouldn't feel like I need to do that in a, in a different context on Twitter. And so that's, yeah, that's the thing that feels weird to me about this too is just what is the point? of a fleet when a tweet already feels like it's meant to be kind of fleeting. I guess we're going to have to wait and find out. Um, I'm assuming my app will update at some point. I'll have a look at it. I'll try and watch some other ones. I don't know. Uh, you know Let's we- both try to have fleeted by next week and see whether we suddenly have decided it's the greatest thing ever. Or next whether week? We, uh, pretty much, I think we're still going to think it's a bit dumb. But we could be eating humble pie. We'll never we know. We could. We'll never know. Um, I wanted to flag a quick, I think it's a win and a fail at exactly Ooh, the okay. same time. Yeah, double. And this amused me because I am just absolutely mired in New South Wales state budget at the moment. It came down yesterday. Uh, a lot of talk about it. Um, just the nature of my job means I've been thinking about it before the budget, during the budget, after the budget. One, I was all, all over it too, Nick. Like, all over it. You didn't even um, know. You didn't even know state budgets happened, and I find that <laughs> hilarious. Um, it is like me now not having to get up and watch Samsung launch something, and therefore just <laughs> That's exactly being able to go like, oh, yeah, well, there's a new phone. Okay, cool. Um, we are all, every single person over the age of eighteen in New South Wales, getting one hundred dollars worth of vouchers to spend on entertainment or food. These will be four cool. $25 vouchers. They cannot be brought together. Uh, it is just like if you want to go and see a movie uh, and it's $22, you don't get that extra three bucks back. It's just done. If it's okay. $30, you don't put two vouchers together. You have to pay the extra five. But it's a real economic kickstart. That is yeah. a win. That is fantastic. Here's where the potential fail comes in. They are only arriving from the New South Wales, the Service New South Wales app. There is no other way to get them. So if you don't have the app, well, please install it. It's very handy. You can have a virtual driver's license. But as people have pointed out, what about people who don't have a smartphone? What about people who can't use the app? What about people who have tried to get into it? You know, if this is genuinely for every adult, over 18 in New South Wales. What is actually being done here is limiting that number significantly. There will be people who, by the sheer nature of their tech savvy or their device or whatever, um, even you know maybe their location, if 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 this is going to have to work with a live internet connection, 
who just won't get access to this. And I can yeah. see some of the complaints about it. Although, as someone said, 100 bucks might finally make it worthwhile <laughs> installing the Service New South Wales app, which was cruel, I thought, but um, not inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm... You know what? Yeah, now that you've explained it, I'm totally with you on win and fail <laughs> because it is actually like Service New South Wales app is, and I don't have experience with other state apps, but it is, it's always been sort of a big, um, point that sort of the people who've been running that department have done an excellent job of delivering really good digital services. Um, I have my digital driver's license through the app. I think they've done an excellent job with the government-based, um, you know, COVID-safe mm-hmm. check-in mm-hmm. system to try to centralize that. We've touched on that in the past. I think a centralized version of that is really, really valuable rather than, you know, 10 different weird no, no name things you've never heard of asking you to give them your details, um, through a QR code. So that stuff's been good. Um, and so that idea of being able to kind of push it harder and promote the service New South Wales app through this kind of thing, there's a bit of a, uh, an overall benefit there probably. Um, but yeah, let's say they even come out with some stats saying that 97% of all adults in New South Wales have a smartphone app. You go, well, what are the odds that that other 3% of the people who could really use this hundred bucks of vouchers? Um, there would be no question that someone who is explicitly not using some kind of modern smartphone to be able to do this would probably get a lot out of having this extra four $25 vouchers in their pocket. And, um, even just introducing some kind of a system that would let them walk into Service New South Wales and apply to have the vouchers handed over, um, you know, would be a really good thing. Particularly if it was just a thing that, well, then you've kind of avoided having everybody trying to turn up at an actual branch to get their vouchers or not just randomly sent, mailing them out and having, you know, people having their mail, you know, stolen because <laughs> there's vouchers doing yeah, the rounds. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. But just having an application system for the people who say, you know what, I actually can't, or like I really can't, or I really don't want to have to do that. Please let me have it and put it on the record that I've already received my vouchers. There seem to be other options available to New South Wales government that they've chosen not to do. But anyway, look, you know, it it was a budget where they spent a lot of money, which is what the state needed at the moment. Yeah. Um, So congratulations on that front, I guess. You got a win or a fail for me? I have a win, and it is one of the kind of funnest wins I've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. I have the GoCube Smart Rubik's Cube um, that was sent out recently. It's just called GoCube, and it's kind of interesting because it the package itself doesn't have um, Rubik's uh, logos on it, oh. which is so. It's like, is it off brand? I'm not exactly sure what the deal is because once you go into the app. Um, there's all sorts of Rubik's related information. Um, but of course, the fact that I've just mentioned, you know, I've got the cube and I have an app, um, is the sort of weird, funky bit about it that when the PRs kind of offered it to me, I was like, mm, okay, that sounds interesting. Um, but Nick, you'll know when we worked together at CNET, I, when I was doing my long commutes, at one point decided I'd get a Rubik's cube and I'd use my commute to start trying to learn how to solve you, you did. the Rubik's cube. You did. And I got to about like five minutes in terms of the speed that I could get to, you know, not remotely in the 
counting the seconds kind of domain that crazy awesome people do these days. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. It was nice. It was kind of a nice just little kind of manual thing to do. Um, and then in the intervening time, I've totally forgotten the algorithms that I had to learn in order to be able to do that. So I was partly going, okay, this sounds interesting. Um, and it genuinely does track the cube. Like if I was sitting here rotating, and I'm, I am actually literally holding it and rotating it in my hands right now, but if I had the app open, um, it would be watching, I could watch the cube being moved and rotated in three dimensions. So it has like trackers inside it. So it's remembering the orientation and where every single square on the cube is, cube on the cube is, I should say. Um, so that it can then, if I just hit a button to say, just help me solve it so I can go back to the start, then it will show me all of the notation to basically get it back to a, a solved cube. But it also does have heaps of kind of lessons in it that works through. How do you solve it? Um, step by step, it kind of teaches you all the fundamentals, but then it also does have all the advanced algorithms and things in it as well. So that if I wanted to relearn it now, I can like quite easily, I've already started going through that process. There's bits of it that are starting to go, oh yeah, I do remember that bit now. Um, but it's just been such kind of a fun, like it genuinely feels like it was something worth making smart because of the way that when I was learning it, I had like a weird printed out, you know, set of formulas. And that was weird and awkward. And I'm glancing down, trying to work out which step I'm up to. Did I forget something? Whereas this is actually just showing you, like it knows when you've made that next move. And so it's now showing you the next step immediately. And there is, as I mentioned, a notation. So it's showing the notations in real time. You have to obviously learn that. But once you know that, then you're just kind of quickly going through those moves. And then it's even showing you things like going, here's a particular sequence that comes up quite often. Here's the best way to hold your fingers on that sequence so that you can then flick backwards and forwards across that sequence of moves <laughs> efficiently. And again, it will then get you to practice that, you know, five times and it'll tell you if you did it wrong or you did it right. Um, and then it even has like weird games, like, you know, Simon, the old, yeah, old yeah. kind of game. There's like a version of Simon and a bunch of other, like a maze game and different things that are essentially like puzzle type games you can play with the cube that is also helping you to practice using your cube in a way that actually means your fingers will kind of, you know, be practicing doing different moves with it and things instead of only ever trying to focus on, you know, okay, I'll mix it up, I'll solve it, I'll mix up, I'll solve it. Um, really, really clever. So I'm, yeah, super down for it, uh, the Go Cube. Um, and while I'm at it as well, the Speed Cube is Doco on Netflix, is which good. is about an Aussie uh, superstar of the speed cubing world and his awesome friendship with, an autistic super who like an autistic kid who's also a superstar of the speed cubing world. Um, really, really cool doco. And it's actually, I think it's only about an hour. So like a really good fast doco to watch <laughs> fast speed cubing. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, I was going to say you could actually solve the cube 12 times. <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah. Well, I was, I, but, but I'd be looking up and so I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd fail miserably. Whereas they were like, for them, it's like if they're not sub six seconds every time they solve it, they're doing something wrong. <laughs> God, the RSI must be amazing. Look, you've, oh you've tempted me. I will think about it. Um, actually sounds amazing. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Simon because I think I was one of those kids who thought he knew a lot about electronics and my, um, my Simon lasted 
not very long after I tore the back off it to see how it worked. I do not <laughs> understand electronics. I just assumed I did. Um, poor Simon. Vale, Simon. Shall we wrap it up there? Let's. Um, what are you up to and where can people find you, Nick? Uh, track me down on uh, Twitter. It's where everything good's happening. I'll be fleeting like a madman. Um, oh, you will. At dr underscore nic, at Dr. Nick. Awesome. I am at Seamus on Twitter, uh, and you can, of course, reach ByteSide via at ByteSide on Twitter, at the ByteSide on Instagram. Uh, Chris Button has now been taking the lead for us, um, doing a lot more Instagramming lately, um, so that's been nice. Uh, and ask at ByteSide.com if you want to send in anything in and ask us questions or um, say anything in particular about the random things we've been talking about. Maybe you're going to find a reason to fleet and if so, please tell us what that is because we're still really confused. <laughs> Have a good one, Nick, and we will all catch you again soon.